streaming wars, TikTok, Billie Eilish, EDM concerts in Saudi Arabia. What do these things all have in common? 2019. We are recapping the year in the business of entertainment and pop culture. You are listening to the Business Extra podcast coming from the Nationals newsroom in Abu Dhabi. I am Kelsey Warner, future editor. Joining me in the studio is my colleague, Nairi McFarlane, our arts and lifestyle editor. Hi, Nairi. Hey, Kelsey. Welcome. And also we have here my colleague, Jason Von Berg, our head of audience growth. Hi, Jason. Hello, Kelsey. Welcome to Business Extra. Thanks for having us. Happy holidays. An unusual place for me to be. Uh, really? They had lots of lifestyle, but I'm happy to be here. <laughs> a real motley crew, though. But our brain trust, really, on all things culture and what the heck was going on on the internet in the last year. So uh, I want to start out with uh, kind of this emerging streaming wars. 2019 was the year Netflix got some competition. Two of the biggest companies in the world, Disney and Apple, rolled out streaming services. Jason, what do you think the big winners and losers were kind of in this space now that we've got the heavy hitters in the game? So I think it's a really, really good question to to kick us off with because this year really has heated up in terms of the streaming wars. Um, Netflix has had a lot of market share for the longest time. They've now been faced with strong competition, like you said, from Disney and from Apple. Um, we've also got others coming into the market in addition to Hulu, if they're still a thing, YouTube <laughs> streaming as well. And we've got HBO coming on as well. Now, with this, we've seen the Netflix model move from being a DVD model to streaming, and now they are becoming a content generator. Right. Back in 2013, they started creating their own content, and now, seven years later, people are finally getting hip to the game. Yeah. Getting on in there. They say people are now writing novels based on whether they'll make good Netflix shows, because that's where all the money is. They're so hungry for content. And I think what's also interesting about that is when you see this progression of people writing for Netflix, but writing novels too, it's so easy to get commissioned by Netflix because they have huge budgets when Mm. it comes to commissioning. So, I mean, I think this year they've gone from, last year it was $12 billion. Now they're edging towards $15 billion. And that number is just expected to increase. In terms terms of what they're willing to invest in In creating a project. Yeah. Okay, so who are the kind of the big stars who emerged out of these kind of emerging content, you know, deluge. In terms of the the names themselves? Yeah, who have been the, yeah, who have been the big names who have kind of um, banked on Okay, this? so Millie Bobby Brown, for instance, from Stranger Things, has become this huge celebrity across the world, millions of followers, and this is just because of a show that was commissioned by Netflix, and she really is all over the show now. So that's one person. But that's from the ground up. No one knew her before this. Now we've got uh, Henry Cavill stepping into a lead role in uh, The Witcher, which is their new show. Kind of tipped to be the new Game of Thrones. I don't think it's really going there. But maybe it will. Maybe it will find its audience. Um, But for me, if we shift into another streaming area, we see the progression of Hollywood stars now entering into, into the TV space or streaming space, if you want to call it that. And we've seen Big Little Lies on HBO. Um, now we've got Apple TV and we've got Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon both stepping in. Yeah, the launch of the morning show at Apple's big product, annual big product launch, where they had just star after star kind of coming on stage to launch new creative concepts for Apple TV. It was like, this is where the money is now, basically. <laughs> it, was, it was jarring. I almost, you almost get the chills seeing. Oprah was there? Oprah, <laughs> Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Aniston, uh, Tom Hanks, like just... Steven Spielberg, you know, the names just sort of 
went on and on. I think 2019 is the year we finally accepted that TV can be prestigious. You know, Martin Scorsese's The Irishman, this whole battle with Steven Spielberg about what can be an Academy Award winner. I think the snobbery about around cinema and all that is going away. And I think within a few years, we won't even remember that you had to go to the movies for something to be a real movie. You know? mm-hmm. But bolstered by the money available in streaming at the moment. I also sounds... like that you get more diverse voices via Netflix because there are just so many shows. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree with you about the points of the diverse voices coming to Netflix because these shows are, are very left-filled. It's not the sort of thing that you would expect to see on traditional TV, you know, and it really is finding a nice audience on on these platforms and not just in the States, but globally. And I think that's something that Netflix has done really well. White men in boardrooms are no longer the decision makers, but why doesn't Netflix uh, release its ratings ever? Nothing. It never releases any viewing figures. I wonder why that is. Yeah, Jason, why doesn't Netflix release the viewing numbers? <laughs> Can you ask them? Sure, I'll get on the phone to to Ted Sundaris, the head I mean, of their content daily, soon, and their ask him. Daily active users or their users in 2017 went from almost 20 million to they've yeah had, in the Middle East and North and in North Africa we've had audiences go from 19.7 million in 2017 to 47.4 million in 2019. So that number has jumped significantly. And that's why I think it's interesting to see how, you know, Disney says that they got 10 million signups. Well, obviously they had a base. They had that to start with. But Netflix is kind of like, well, come and play. If you want to compete with us, that's great. But we have the global audience already. So Mm. if you want to play with us, then let's go. One of the biggest regional stories that we've been covering this year is the opening up of Saudi Arabia to tourism, to big music and entertainment acts. Nairi, what kind of opportunity does Saudi represent these days to performers in particular? Well, money. That's the main reason most performers uh, tour around the world for anywhere. But I guess also it is where the money's at for entertainment, but it's also the chance to connect with a whole new audience. You know, in 2019, there are very few uncharted territories when it comes to entertainment. There are about 33 million people in Saudi and around 60% of them are under 35. That's just an opportunity They couldn't last year or two years ago go and see concerts in real life. They had to consume in their homes or they had to travel. So the fact that that's opened up is just phenomenal. Even I saw Lana Del Rey during the F1 weekend and she came out on stage and seemed actually surprised by the volume of the audience and just the level of uh, sort of commitment, I guess. Yeah. And it is sort of a whole untapped audience that I think a lot of artists maybe haven't even considered before. And now all of a sudden... I mean, Saudi only starting in September began kind of organizing and promoting shows. And mm-hmm. already they've had a real strong list of performers come out. Just in this weekend, MDL Beast and Riyadh saw 200,000 people at least go to watch the biggest EDM stars in the world. You had Tiesto, David Guetta, Mar- uh, not Martin Garrix, Steve Aoki, like just Black basically coffee. everyone who's famous in EDM was there. And we spoke to the organizer there and he said they only really started organizing it in September. You know, so this is this could have been a fire fest, but, but it was the, phenomenal. The, they pulled it off. The to the fire yeah, fest. they pulled it off quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's nice to see how uh, people are supporting it as well. You know, mm. like you said, people uh, were starved for for this sort of musical entertainment on this level, and mm. the fact that all these artists are willing to go there and perform is really really good to see. K-pop has taken me by complete surprise. Yeah. Like, who knew that Saudi had such a big K-pop audience and yeah. community? Korean dramas in the UAE and the GCC, 
Korean culture, a lot of young Kaliji women, especially, are learning South Korean. It's the they call it the Hallyu wave. It's a massive phenomenon. Um, and this year in Saudi, we've had Janet Jackson, Andrea Bocelli, K-pop supergroup B- BTS. <laughs> they basically broke the internet by going to Saudi. It was phenomenal. And I think that people coming in and people going out, it's good for the culture. You know? Yeah. Sure. And then, I mean, the other thing about the Saudi Arabia story, I think, is these are opportunities that the kingdom is creating that are very much in real life experiences. Well, Mm. meanwhile, much of our life is now happening online. And there's this whole pressure to share online in sort of these new formats over the last year. Mm. What we've seen in terms of the rise of TikTok, the rise of FaceApp, the rise of Facetune. Yeah, uh, the faces go on and on. So this is what I'm like when I'm old, everyone. That's yeah, interesting. This is what I look like as an angel. This yeah. is what I look like as a baby. Jason. Here's me with a flower crown. <laughs> Jason, what are the big moments for you in 2019 when social media really shined for you? I think I mean we've obviously seen all the face Facebook and and uh, Twitter doing really well for us all the time. Instagram still continues to to butter our bread, if we can say that. But it's just, it's so, it, the, the two platforms that have really stood out for me, uh, one had a very short shelf life, but the other one is still around very much active and, and growing substantially. And we've mentioned this is TikTok. Um, we've just... So, which is ByteDance, which is a Beijing company. TikTok is their social media platform. Can you just briefly describe what TikTok actually is? It's like a video sharing platform um, where you have 60 seconds to create a video of your choice. So you can do a piece to camera. You can put all these different filters and effects. And it really is entertaining to the see what people come medium. up. true creative medium. It really yeah. is. It's incredible what yeah. people come you up with. You can do amazing things with that. There's a, there are a few people who are, work as laborers in the UAE who have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of followers because they're amazing dancers. The barrier to entry on TikTok at the moment is really low, which mm. I think is great. I mean, they've had 1.5 billion downloads this year. I think they have a strong base of over 500 million. So the community is there um, and it's building constantly. And in terms of competition with Instagram, which is owned by Facebook or to Facebook or Snapchat or Twitter, where do you see TikTok kind of fitting into this landscape? I think there's an opportunity for people to become more eyewitnesses and creating content, which opens up a whole other conversation that we can leave to another time. But it definitely does allow people to become more involved in the storytelling method, you know, and their their interpretation of stories mm. is is an important uh, to use a platform like TikTok. And the way that they, they, they share it with their audiences is nice. You know, we can take a lot of learning from that and see how a younger uh, Gen Z audience is talking to their friends and family, you know, whereas our traditional storytelling methods might might become obsolete in the next 10 years. So looking at what people are, are creating and then kind of dabbling in that space might be something that we can consider. And being, in, and being inspired by it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wonder if it's guiding Instagram or Twitter or Snapchat's behavior at all in terms of how they're building their own products. Have you seen because Instagram really guided Facebook's strategy when Instagram first came on the scene. Stories. Stories, yeah. exactly. Which Facebook bought Instagram, you know, just a year later for $1 billion. So what are we seeing in terms of the TikTok influence on other social media platforms? Have we seen it yet? Or are you th- are you thinking that? I don't think we have seen it yet. I think it's still very much in its infancy, if we can say that. It's it's a platform that's exploded onto the onto the scene, but we have yet to see its full potential. 
I think also people are jaded by Facebook for privacy reasons. People are jaded by Instagram for privacy reasons, but also sort of social issues of everything being too perfect on there. And I think TikTok has its problems and will have its problems, but we are not jaded by it yet. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem to be a place where influencers have really found a home in the same way. And maybe I'm completely wrong on this in the same way that Instagram has kind of been really the shelter of influencers for a few years. TikTok seems to be a slightly more democratic platform. Yeah, I think just to wrap up the the the, the TikTok, but in terms of influencers, we haven't seen all these big names with the hundreds of thousands of followers, but we have seen a, a growing platform or a growing sort of community of grannies <laughs> on the platform, which is interesting. <laughs> you know, we've got at least three different grannies who have become influential in their own right. You know, they've 400,000 followers themselves and and they give a lot of advice and, and they're hilarious at the way they interpret hip hop music videos or, or just pop culture in general. So Fire that's content. nice to see. But <laughs> those are the influences right. on TikTok, tip which from is Jason, weird. But. The grannies on TikTok are real, can't miss. <laughs> Got it. Thank you, Jason. I do think that 2019 will be remembered as the year that we reached peak influencer. And I don't think that it's an industry that's going away. You know, they say Media Kicks predicts that it will be the mark influencer marketing will be worth, I think it's 10 million US dollars next year. So it's not going away. But I just think that a few years ago, people realized I can post nice pictures with with nice filters, pay some bot to get me followers, and then I'll get heaps of money. So too many people have become influencers without actually having influence or opin- really opinions. So I think that 2019, we got frustrated. Fire Festival documentary came out. We saw the cheese sandwich over and over again. Uh, you know, Kendall Jenner was paid what? $250,000 they right, report yeah. to promote the fire Festival, which she didn't even know was a thing. And there's countless stories like that. So I think that 2020 influencers will remain, but they will mm. remain more accountable. Hopefully we're entering the year a bit more savvy than we began the year. Yeah. We, we expect like you can't just Fingers put a little crossed. hashtag ad and then lie. And that's okay. In my opinion, you know, Instagram's right. putting these guidelines that you have to say sponsored, you have to say ad or whatever, but you can't stand there in front of your audience and say, I love this product. It's helped. There was a British celebrity. She was on the only way is Essex. She was filmed undercover last week or was released last week saying that she's not even tried this thing called skinny coffee, which she's told her millions of followers made her lose 12 kilos. So even if she puts hashtag ad, that's still immoral. And mm. I think that that is something that we're having a kind of we're kind of having a dawn of realization of that and people won't be able to get away with that anymore. I don't think they're going away either. No, no, they're just changing. They're transforming. You know, media companies are accountable. We have a message, we publish content, but we're accountable to certain guidelines. Mm -hmm. Whereas the influencer market has been cowboyish until now and I think it will change. I'm not saying it's going away. There would be old person of me to say it's going away. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do that. But it is, uh, it's a good sort of uh, use case in terms of how the internet actually gets mediated and how it's policed and how Mm. we set rules and boundaries and norms Mm. where uh, we need to set similar rules, boundaries and norms for say cryptocurrencies and privacy settings and, you know, all sorts of things that we're sort of entering this new landscape on and trying to figure out what it is we're going to do and the influencers were sort of the first there. Yeah. Um, and so I do think the fact that we've become savvy to them and created laws around how mm. to advertise to consumers on social media, mm. it's a harbinger, hopefully, of good things to come in terms of regulating elsewhere Yeah, would be maybe a supposition I would make for the next decade. Yeah. Um, so with that said, I mean, Facebook was the most popular app of the decade, which... 
I don't think anyone was surprised by that. No, However, it was the only one 10 years ago. So it's had a head start. <laughs> right. But if a head start, it's, you know, a behemoth in terms of WhatsApp, Instagram are also owned by Facebook. So where else are we using our apps? Like what else is going on on our phones these days outside of Facebook? Well, we're working on a story right now of looking at the most popular apps 10 years ago versus the most popular apps now. And what we found was that actually in 2010, Facebook was the only social media uh, app that was most downloaded. The All the other most downloaded were games, Angry Birds, Word with Friends, Talking Tomcat, Fruit Ninja, that classic. So now in 2019, according to Apple... The most downloaded apps were YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, Facebook Messenger, Gmail, Netflix, Facebook, Amazon, Spotify, WhatsApp, Uber, etc. So it kind of shows that apps were purely just for fun games. Now they're real utility. We need them to survive. A YouGov survey found that the average UAE resident spends six hours on their phone or to, on their screens. Truly terrifying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, but this was the year that we all kind of started tracking our screen time. Yeah, I'm too, I, I don't look at it. I don't need to know. I know I spend you a don't lot of look, time. You, you look at your phone, you don't look at your screen <laughs> yes, time. exactly. So but so we're using our apps are not just, they're just, they're such a whole part of our life now. Right. Know? 2010, we were sort of passive users It was a gamified experience. 2019, it's how we pay our bills, how we get around, how we find a date, all Mm. sorts of different... How we communicate. Sure. Mm. So where are we going from here? I'll be honest. I've been considering lately uh, going off social media for a bit just because I do spend most of my working day on social media platforms. And there's this infinite scrolling of, you know, you're on the Instagram feed and you want to see what people are saying and what people are talking about on Twitter um, Facebook, not so much. Facebook's just a birthday reminder for me. But <laughs> Twitter and, and Instagram are the ones where I just spend a lot of time constantly. So for me, I've been considering leaving, mm. just having a bit of a sabbatical. And I think that might become a bit of a trend, especially in light of all these data breaches and, and privacy uh, concerns that are around. Nairi, do you have any similar announcements or resolutions to make here today? <laughs> um, I'm pretty. I resent when people tell me I have to build my personal brand more. I feel I find my own personal brand embarrassing. You know, um, <laughs> Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. I don't know what we'll be on. Uh, I think young people aren't on Facebook anymore, and Facebook knows that. I think they're leaving Instagram. They're probably on TikTok more and more, so we have to pay attention to it. Snapchat is huge in this region. Um, there will be other ones around the corner, and we. We will be using our f- apps in a way that we just can't even anticipate right now, I bet. And with 5G. Right, with the advent of 5G, yeah. augmented reality, virtual reality. We won't be able – right now, we probably can't even picture. I guess it will change more in the next 10 years than it's changed in the past 10 years. I think certainly years. the next 10 years. And I think even our devices, the form factors of our devices and mm. what we use and what we wear where it will all change. Yeah. Well, anyway, thank you guys so much. This was so fun. I always learned so much from you. Thank you. Here's to 2020. That was Nairi McFarlane, our arts and lifestyle editor, and Jason Bomberg, our head of engagement. If you have enjoyed this show, please do subscribe on Apple Podcasts or any platform you listen on. If you have something constructive to say, please do leave a review. I just need to thank our producers, Arthur Edison and Aisha Khan. Thank you all for listening. <laughs>